Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. Um, uh, quick plugs up the top. Um, my TV show, Gruen, I always forget to mention that, but it's on the ABC on Wednesday nights. Uh, if you're in Australia or ABC iView, the XL version goes out 8.30 on a Friday night and then that's up on iView after that. So you can check that out. Uh, if you're listening in other parts of the world, uh, then I do try to retweet the monologues and stuff uh, from the Gruen uh, Twitter, um, you can watch those. Um, unfortunately, because of the you know weird world that we live in, uh, you can't actually just watch the show overseas. But um, you know, I hear that people have things like VPNs and all sorts of ways that they can watch shows from overseas. So anyway, it's available on ABC iView if that's what you're looking for. Um, also, uh, I, I will say we have a Patreon page for this: uh, Patreon.com/slash/Willosophy. W-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y. I almost forgot how to spell the name of the podcast then. That was pretty hard. Uh, anyway, as you can probably tell, I'm tired. Uh, I've got a lot on and I've just really got my head down uh, at the moment, uh, trying to get everything done. And, uh, you know, when you get in those zones where you're like, okay, I've got four more weeks and I just have to do this task and then do my next task and then do my next task. And as long as I just keep going and I, I, and I, and I just uh, get a little bit of sleep in between, then I can get all these things done. So... Um, uh, if you like this podcast and you like the fact that it's come out every week, <laughs> wow, that's been a thing. Um, uh, it, it, uh, you know, it takes us a little bit of time to put it together and, uh, to make sure that it can come out weekly. And, uh, so if you enjoy that, could you, uh, contribute? That'd be cool to the Patreon, patreon.com slash philosophy. And, um, that goes to, I make sure everybody gets paid who helps put it on. Um, I don't get paid myself at some stage. I have a a great pipe dream in the future that, you know, uh, this might be something like, oh, it's a job, but at the moment it's a hobby. It's a, you know, it's a hobby that I, I like doing, but even though it's my hobby, it's not the hobby of the people who, um, you know, help me put it together. So I, I like them to get paid. Uh, so James Fosdyke, who does all the original art, of course, and does, uh, all my, um, stand-up art as well. And so I've got some big stand-up news coming very soon. Uh, but, um, I keep teasing that, but I don't have anything new to report at this stage. Anyway, next year, 2020, big stand-up year. Lots of live shows, lots of cool things going on. Uh, details to come. Uh, so James, uh, Mike Hell, our US producer, who, who weaves it all together. And of course, um, young uh, podcast Mike, who helps me book the guests and record the uh, in-studio episodes and uh, does all the coordination of making it all happen and come out weekly. So uh, by con- contributing to the Patreon, it lets me know that I can do that on a weekly basis and then uh, we can do the show on a weekly basis. So that's how that works. Um, yeah, if you want to come and see me live next year, there's going to be a bunch of dates. And speaking of seeing people live... Um, today's guest, I'm having a cup of coffee. Um, today's guest is, oh, wait a bit, Mark Marin there for a second. I could have done a coffee ad. I have no coffee sponsors. I just made myself a coffee. Uh, uh anyway, I, I stop rambling and I will have more time to get ready to go and get on a plane. So, uh, here's what I'm going to say is that, um, I, I really love today's guest. She's just a if you, if you don't know Geraldine Hickey, um, uh, you're about to get to know her and that is a, is a wonderful thing uh, because she is the best. She's just tops. Um, just a great person to talk to. Uh, just a really fun person to be around. Um, I like her a lot and uh, I think she's a really uh, great stand-up and I'm glad to see that she's finally getting the, uh, the props that she deserves and the critical attention and the crowds that um, she, without a doubt, deserves. Um, 
So yeah, it's great. It's good when the good people, you know, it, it, it works out for them and uh, it's really starting to work out really well for Jess. So um, I was excited to have her on the podcast. Uh, we mentioned a web series in this um, uh, that you should uh, check out. And of course, she's going to be doing stand updates um, all over the place. Uh, some to come this year. She's doing the, the critically acclaimed show, the uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival award nominated show at the Sydney Comedy Store. She mentions that. But so if you're in Sydney, definitely go and check that out. Um, but, you know, uh, look up uh, all her social media and all her details and let her know uh, that you uh, heard here on the podcast and hopefully that you enjoyed it and uh, um, go and see her if you have the opportunity. All right. Anyway, let's get on with it. Uh, here's today's episode with Geraldine Hickey. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. And uh, my guest today, well, this is how the podcast starts. I ask my guests who they are. So who are you? Uh, I'm Geraldine Hickey. Hello. Hello. It's good to have you here. I uh, am, like I love talking to you. So oh, I'm good. glad that we have an excuse to, you know, have a proper catch up and yeah. talk about life and stuff. Life with your doggos. Oh, yeah. Well, so I did ask and I it was more that I, I knew that you actually, once you, we started talking about it, I was like, oh, of course, Geraldine's a dog person. But I always have to ask people. I'm always like, are you okay with the dogs? Because at some stage during this, the dogs will climb up on you and yes. want to be part of it. So um, We sometimes have, uh, I sometimes bring my dogs to work um, and if a guest comes, I work in radio as well on Triple R, do the breakfast show. Um, and, yeah, I'll bring my dogs in. And so when it, we have a guest coming in, I'll come out and say, are you okay with dogs? And most of the time, no one said no yet. So they go, yes, that's fine. And I said, because I've got two dogs in the studio. And they go, oh, great. And it's funny, I find that a lot of the time when um, – the guests that are really nervous, Lloyd, my um, he's a coolie, so he looks like Red Dog, but is actually a bit smaller. Um, he'll just go and stand next to them, and you'll—it's so funny. You'll watch—I'm watching them being interviewed, and they're talking away, but the whole time just patting Lloyd's head. Right. So you've given them a, like a companion, a therapy animal. dog, a therapy dog. Yeah. Exactly. They could get on a plane with that dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you? Oh, do you travel with the um? With the dogs, like when you're on the road doing things, will they ever come with you or do they stay at home? Uh, I realise I'm not talking to the microphone because I'm talking into Ramona's chest and the microphone's behind her. So if that question seemed really muffled, <laughs> it was because I was actually speaking into my dog's breast rather than <laughs> into the microphone. Um, do we we take them uh, – if there's an opportunity to take them away with us, then we'll, we'll do it for sure. But most of the time, they'll go and stay at their um, grandparents' Momo and Coco. So, um, uh, when you say we, you and your partner? Yeah, my partner, Kath. So, um, uh, do you travel with her when you work? I'm always interested in some people travel with their families and partners and stuff and do shows and other people. I've always been a bit of a solo operator in that. I just like to to concentrate on what I'm doing and I'm not the greatest of all company when I'm doing shows anyway. So, I'm like, you don't need to see me like this. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) If I'm working, like if I'm away doing gigs... Wendy's going to drink your drink. Yeah, she can Winnie. have. That's all right. It's yours. You're all right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's just me. Like, Kath doesn't, she's like, I don't need to see you do comedy. <laughs> you know. She, does I'm like she, a bit, like, does she, will she come and see your show every year, that sort of thing? Does she come yeah, and check yeah. in and Yeah, yeah. During comedy festival, she's, yeah, she's great. She'll come and um, see my show. She, she comes a few times, like, because she'll bring yeah. different friends and stuff. Um, and also, where I um, have done my show for the last couple of years, um, I have to uh, provide my own tech um, and I'm usually a bit – I'm not the best at being organised. <laughs> so last minute I'll go, oh, can you just come and press hit play on the on the soundtrack, you know, put the lights up for me. she go, all right. So um, – but other, like the everyday kind of gigs and stuff, she's like, nah. But on on, on occasion for sure. Did you guys have a, do you mind if I ask how you met? Is that all right? Online. Online? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like on an app? On OkCupid. Okay. So like it's yeah. an online dating website, OkCupid yeah. basically, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just slightly before the online dating revolution. Like yeah. that's my, because, you know, um, so I've been out of commission for a fair for a fair bit of updated technology, yeah, things have changed. I couldn't, I couldn't be. I'm one of those domesticated animals that if they tried to release back into the wild, <laughs> I'd get like killed by another animal within thirty seconds. Yeah. We, um, yeah, I think we're on um, the cusp of it. I think because we've been together. Um, well, I don't know what do you call the cusp, but I, I we've been together for over five years. So it was still at that time where it was like. People were like, "Oh yeah, um, Tinder was it was absolutely a thing, and people were absolutely going on dates on through many people online." But I don't know if well, it was back when people were going on dates through Tinder, yeah, rather than just people hooking up on Tinder, which it seems a lot of it is, yeah, these yeah. Days. So, Although I guess, but people still there's other apps and stuff now too as heaps well. Of apps. So, um, was there something about meeting someone online that was appealing to you? Like, were you like? Or was you just like, oh, really I mean, you're obviously in the zone to be able to meet somebody though, because yeah. if, you're on, if you're on a website or if you're on an app, you're basically saying at least to yourself, I've had to fill in this form of like what I like and I'm going to have to talk to someone. So I'm open to the idea of meeting somebody. Yes, was, for sure. Were you just in general open to the idea of meeting somebody or you were just like, you were like, oh, oh I'm dipping no, my toe I was in lonely. Here. I was yeah, so right. lonely. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, yes and no. I mean... I I wanted to um, – the online thing was a kind of a form of necessity. Um, I just didn't know uh, where to go to meet other lesbians. There's no lesbian bar in Melbourne. There are certainly, you know, inclusive places yeah. and they there are um, lesbian nights and, and whatnot, but – just the idea of going out and drinking and dancing to find a partner <laughs> was not was not fun. Yeah. I just wasn't me. So You're like I, I, I want to meet you at this thing that I never want to go back to again after yes. we meet. <laughs> yuck. Yeah, yuck. Yeah. Do you hate this? Because I also hate this. Yeah. Let's go home right. and never come back here again. Please and thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, I hope you don't mind me asking about this stuff up the, up the top. It's just yep. like you are a person that um, I, I've always felt very much at ease with. Do you oh, find good. that people have that sense of you? Like I, I, you strike me, if I were to describe you as someone else, as someone who 
you'd easily take to anything and you would actually fit in quite well. Oh, yeah. I'll give everything a crack for sure. And um, I just, I like to be um, the calming presence. Yes. I like to be calm um, because I'm not calm all the time for sure. But um, I just, I'm the, I, I guess the person that kind of, sits back and listens a lot and takes a lot in and then goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I think that's true and I admire that. There, there seems to be – one of the things that I really strive for in my life, and we were having a little chat off, off air before we started mm. recording, around the idea that the person I am, like, you know, if you are what you do, you mm. know, like that your actions define you – um, or that there can be a discrepancy between who you perceive yourself to be and actually yeah, how you behave and how you are on the outside. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a great gap in my life. And one of the things that I admire is kind of serenity or like calmness yeah. or peace or taking the time to take in other people's worldview mm-hmm. and then be able to process that and even if at the end of it I still completely disagree with what they're saying, be able to kind of be calm about that and go, okay, cool. I thought that through. Yeah. I challenged my existing beliefs around that. And at the end of that, I got to a point where I still think, no, nah, that, you're full of shit. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to yell at you about it. I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I've- yeah. See, for me, I get to that point as well. But my the journey for me is more of fascination. I right. just go... How do you, like with everything that's presented to us in the world, how do you come up with that conclusion? Like what are you thinking? What do you know that I don't know? Um, or, what, or what don't you know that I yeah. know and how did you miss it? Yeah. You know, like. Just like it's so it's a yeah. fascination for me. So, But I still, you know, at the end go, oh, so you think that. Right, and you think that because of that, all right, yeah, no, you're still a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah, I reserve the right to think you're a fucking idiot, but yeah. I'm going to peacefully assess whether you're a fucking idiot first. Yes. Yeah. Um, so were you always a person who had that sort of calmness about you? Is it intrinsic to your nature or is it something that you developed at some stage for some reason? No, I think I always had it and I, it was pointed out to me um, when I was quite young by um, my <sighs> siblings – um, is I've I've got four sisters and a brother. And where are you in the mix? Second last. Okay. Um, but we're all st- still, you know, quite close. And um, if if it's not an indelicate question to ask, can I ask about the various like uh, you know sexualities? Is there a oh, I'm only gay. Yeah, oh. I'm the only gay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. So yeah, a lot of. Gays have gay siblings. Yeah, my friend Charlie, who I yeah. do my other podcast, Tofop with, who people hear on this one occasionally doing ads, he's one of, I think, eight kids and every second. Wow. So every second one. But and actually in that order, you know what I mean? Like one, That's one, so one, funny. one. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, so, yeah, so you grew up in a household where Everything else was pretty heteronormative, you know. That's oh, a, you extremely know, heteronormative. Hetero, yeah, right? yeah. Like yeah. Catholic parents in regional yeah. New South Wales. Where were you, Albury or somewhere, yeah, somewhere yeah. there, right? So, yeah, I remember um, one side, um, my brother walked out and he had a peg on his ear because he wanted to get an earring. 
just on one ear. And he goes, I'm going to get it, you know. And so he just put this peg on his ear. And Dad straight away was like, you get that peg off you. <laughs> you don't want to be a bloody poofter. And I thought, and then someone had told me that um, you, it was like, you're, you're only gay if you got it on your left ear or a yes, note. That's yeah. What, yeah. But I was like, no, no, Dad, you're only a poof if you get it off this ear. It's all right on this ear. I was like fascinated by the whole thing. Just going, whoa, what's a what's a poofter? <laughs> Sounds intriguing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember when I found out what a lesbian was. Yeah. I was at school, um, nice. and I was having a. Do you want to come up here? Yeah, she wants to do something. She's just fascinated by being annoying. Come here. Do you want to come here? You just want to. Okay, anyway, we won't stop if you're not going to do anything. No. Um, yeah, so you remember, sorry. Oh, yeah, the f- when I first found out what a lesbian was, we were in the um, playground um, in primary school and someone was being nasty to me and my friends. Um, I can't remember what they said. or my- We might have been nasty to them. Right. Who knows? Who knows? You, know? you were kids. Yeah. And then my friend just did the, um, she goes, oh, why don't you – Go homo. Oh, let's all be friends and go homo on the poof poof train. <laughs> so, and I, um, I was just like, what is that? I mean, isn't it interesting how often homophobic slurs are based on teaching children about quite intricate punnage and yes. wordplay? Like, <laughs> you're like, that's actually quite a sophisticated yeah. sentence. There's three puns in one sentence. There. Yeah. And it was like, my friend was like, oh, they're, you know, mm. She goes, oh, they're just lesbians. And I'm like, what's a lesbian? <laughs> she was like, lesbian is like when two women, you know, like each other. And I was just like, I still like, <laughs> but why is that? Why are you being mean about yeah. that? <laughs> We're hanging. I like you. We're hanging yeah. out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why is this a bad yeah. thing? Um, okay, so what was Albury like? Like, what? So, what was your? What did your parents do? Uh, Dad was an interstate truck driver, uh-huh. and so away a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he'd. I think the furthest he went was like he drive from Albury up to Rockhampton. Okay, um, and that that would take about a week. Um, and I used to be always be able to um, work out where dad was based on how long he'd been away for. Yeah, right. So it'd be like, I just kind of, it'd be like three days and I hadn't seen dad. And I go, oh, mum, where's, is dad in Queensland? And she goes, yeah, he's gone up to Rockhampton. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Or he's, you know, he's coming back from Brisbane. Like, oh, yeah. So, um, so, and da- so does that mean that just it's mum mostly doing the raising of the children? Yeah, except for... um. When things got tough, it'd, you wait till your father gets okay. home. Okay, yeah. So dad was the disciplinarian. Yeah. 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 Mum's like, I've got to be here every day. I've got to be the peacemaker. <laughs> yes. But if some shit has gone oh, down, damn. yeah, you wait two days, but you're going to cop it. <laughs> um, and and mum was, uh, yeah, mostly stay, stay at home raising us, but also she was um, a nanny as well. So we'd often have other kids um, ran at our place that she'd be babysitting. Um, 
And yeah, she did a few other bits and pieces, but mostly stay at home. And so, what was uh, were you in the suburbs? Were you in like rural? Were you in the middle of town? Like, what was your kind of you know day to day existence like? Uh, we're in the um, grew up in Lavington in Albury, which is like an outer suburb. But there's not. It's not like suburbs. It, no, it's just yeah. You know, it's it still only takes center. ten minutes to yeah. get into this. <laughs> Like, I'd still be able to walk into the city. It'd be yeah. a long walk, but it was, you know, possible. But um, there was a, a big W, not too far. And I spent, a, I spent a lot of time in big W. And what was happening at big, big W? Nothing. It was just cool and, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> on hot days. Could, yeah. it was, I was either at the pool or in big W, yeah. just walking around, looking at toys. <laughs> Just looking at, you know, just things I wanted to buy, thinking about maybe getting a job there one day. Yeah. And did you ever? You, you never ended up working nah. at Big W? No. Nah. Just a big fan of it, though. What's wrong with you? Hang on. I'm gonna... All right. I've given Ramona a, um empty milk bottle now to chew. So that is... Uh, the, that's the, the noise in the background, yeah, not me. <laughs> that's the best solution I could come up with. I really, you know, I probably should have trained the dogs. However, uh, instead, I'm just bribing them. I am definitely mum in this situation. Yeah. They need dad. Uh, I need dad to get back from his yeah, long haul truck ride. Your father gets home. Yeah, to discipline them properly. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, what were your dream? Let's go to high school. Mm-hmm. What were your sort of thoughts about the future when you're at high school? Like, or was it just hanging out at the pool still and rocking down a big W with your mates? Uh, high school, I wanted to. Um, I I enjoyed high school like up until like year ten and stuff. Yeah. Um, like up until when things get really serious. Um, but I um, but I always wanted to be an actor. Okay, so you always wanted to be. So yeah. where did that come from? I, um. Like, I how does a kid from the you know from Laverton? Even Lavington. Lavington, sorry. Like It's Lavington. like Lamington, but yeah, with, but a, with v. a V. Yeah, okay, sorry. And I did think that Lamingtons were called Lavingtons and you could only get them in Lavington. <laughs> uh, so how does such a naive, beautiful young soul uh, think that they want to be a professional pretender and be an actor? Where Did, did you see something just, at school or did you like... No, just watching movies and stuff and just thinking, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I'm just going to be in the movies. And I said that to mum one day. I was still in primary school at this stage. I turned to mum and I said, mum, oh, there was a, an ad for a, a car ad came on. And I turned to mum and said, mum, when I grow up, I'm going to get a Rolls Royce. Oh. Yeah, because that was just what the fancy movie stars had right. in the movies. So I said, I'm going to have a Rolls Royce. She said, are you just? And I went, yeah, because I'm going to be a famous actor. And she went, oh, okay. And she was reading the paper at the time and she went, oh, well, I better enrol you into this drama course. So I did like children's theatre every Saturday um, throughout primary school and high school. Um, And we would do um, like end-of-year shows and the Steadfords. Yeah. Um, So in high school um, I did drama. When it was available I wanted to do drama um, and just always thought – yeah, that I'd be an actor. And then it was um, – I did Year 11 twice um, 
it's the first school I was at. I was doing year eleven, and they didn't offer drama, so obviously didn't do it. Um, and was just I'd struggle a lot in terms of study. Um, I like looking back, it was obvious that I just had really bad anxiety and right. couldn't do anything. Um, so you know, result and had a lot of depression, and I um ended up in in hospital. The first time doing year eleven, um, and then like we just kind of start decide. Oh, I decided I'd finish the end of the year and then I'd do it again and but go to a different high school and do drama. Um, I just it wasn't just the drama; it was just the I wanted to do things that I wanted to do rather right. than do the maths and science because that's what you had to do to boost up your TER score. Um, like I just didn't care. I was just like, I just want to have a good time. Well, so many people must stop engaging with the educational system because of that yeah. very reason. Is that you're just like, there's all these things you could be teaching people and yeah. you decided that you just have to teach them these five things that most of us have realised you really Could've don't need to shit. know as much yeah. of them as, like you could cover most of the shit that we need to know in the first couple of years and yes. then go, oh, let's teach you something that you actually do want to yeah. know. So I um I would started doing drama and um and this is where the comedy bit came in because I was um doing a um <laughs> closer and closer to the microphone. That's what I love. Is she literally got the bottle, walked across the room and then just started rubbing it against the microphone. Yeah. Where's the mic? Yeah. Um it, it we it was just this activity that we did one day in class where it was just it was like four lines up on the board and teacher was like, get in partners and just you can interpret those lines however whatever way you want. And so I get up and, and did it and everyone laughed. And I went, guys, I was serious that time. <laughs> <laughs> and then my drama teacher was like, Jesse, do you know what this means? And I went, oh, that I can't act. <laughs> and he went, no, that you're a comedian yeah. and you should look at doing comedy. But for me to look at doing comedy, there was no stand-up in Aubrey. It's not like I – Well, let's – let's I, I – We'll get to that, but I want to because you've brought up that moment and because mm. you remember that moment. Because I would love to people. You get asked a lot in interviews. You know, when did you know you were no. funny, or what's the yeah. first time you made people laugh? And I, I don't have a great memory for my own life. I'm very good at looking forward, but I'm mm. terrible at sort of looking back. You know, and often people even tell me things that I've said or done, and I'm like, oh yeah, well, I mean, that does sound like me, <laughs> but in my head, I have no picture of that happening, so I can't identify that moment i have mm. no sense of it but do you were you upset that you weren't being taken seriously or was there something in their laugh that made you think oh this is not only has my drama teacher said i should be a comedian but there's something about that reaction that i found invigorating or interesting or compelling oh, or something it, the reaction was um one that i was accustomed to okay yeah right so um the amount of times throughout my life where People would laugh, <laughs> and I and I think, what are you la- laughing at? People go, oh, you're just so funny, and I'm okay. Okay, I could never. Most of the time, I could never work out why right. they were laughing. Uh-huh. Um, but you didn't feel like they were laughing at you, or sometimes you would feel like they were laughing at you, or you were comfortable that 
they no. were kind of laughing in a in a way that was inclusive. It was definitely uh, an inclusive laugh. It was a um, a complimentary laugh. Like I felt yeah. like you felt yeah complimented and warm about yeah. it. Yeah, because they were always. Yeah. It was like a oh, you're. <laughs> how do you come up with this? That kind of. I'm like I don't know I don't what know. you're talking I don't about. Know. So. Um, and that wasn't like the first moment that I went, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. Like I'd yeah. always loved the idea of comedy, but I just um, I just didn't think of it as being a, a thing. Like, What um, sort of comedy did you like? If Yeah, what would have enthused you at the time? What were you consuming? Um, I would have been – I definitely remember watching the big gig, yeah, um, and and then later like the late show. Um, I mean the iconic role that those two programs must have played in as a starter kit for so many oh. comedians. Like, because again, very yeah. similar. You know, I'd throw in Andrew Denton's Money and the Gun and a few other things that I was watching, but mm. those two shows, like, that- without them, there would be so. I mean, essentially, if you think there's too many comedians, it's really the fault of the big gig of the yeah. late show. <laughs> Isn't it? That and, like, um, full frontal and yeah. fast forward, you know, they were the things that I thought was hilarious. But but also um, my brother and I had a um, had a Bill Cosby tape. Oh, yeah. Um, and we fucking loved it. And I would listen to it so that I had the whole thing memorised and at school would go to school and just recite it for people, like to the point where like the bell would be gone going, like, it's time to go back to class. And I'd go, no, nah, no, nah, miss, I've just got to finish this got bit. Got to finish this bit about the dentist. <laughs> Unbelievable. What well, a fucking asshole. Anyway. It, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it probably goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, but um, he, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, separating the artist from the art or not being able to separate the artist from the art, you know, mm. that conversation that we now are forced to have quite a lot. Mm. And I'm actually reading a book at the moment called Catch and Kill, which is by Ronan Farrow, who's, you know, Woody Allen's son, but it's about the Harvey oh. Weinstein case. He's an investigative reporter and he was oh, one of wow. the people who broke the Harvey Weinstein case in it. So it deals a lot with the idea of, you know, art and artist mm. versus, you know, predator versus, you know, you know horrible people and, and can you, should you, yeah. what will you overlook in the name of art? And they're all very interesting questions. Mm. But I, the Cosby one, fuck. I went and saw him in Montreal and it was, I you know, you sat in the room and you were just like, this is amazing. Like yeah. he's done two hours, he's sat in this chair. This is like of the thing I've chosen to do with my life, I feel like I am sitting in the presence of one of the greatest people who's ever done it. Yeah. And then, I mean, cl- clearly I could never listen to, enjoy, consume yeah. anything that he's ever – like I can't. There's not but, even a thought in my mind that's like, but I'm still going to listen to – no. 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 Yeah. I can't. Sorry, gone. Forever. <laughs> Bye. Had a great time, but yeah, never again. Wow, you just yeah, horrible. But yes, like was a and back in the day when comedy wasn't widely 
uh, consumable. I mean, mm. these days with podcasts and the internet, and you yeah. can consume comedy all from all I around knew the world. Of, of comedy was what I saw yeah. on on TV. So, in terms of stand up, was like it was whoever would um, was on the big gig or hey hey it's Saturday and stuff. But and the gala, watch the gala, the Melbourne every Comedy year. Festival gala. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a, lot, a lot of comedians of a a certain generation talk about the gala because, mm. you know, if you want to be a stand-up comedian, particularly a stand-up comedian who goes to Melbourne and does the comedy festival, which is, you know, Australia's preeminent comedy festival and, you know, as someone who's been lucky enough to travel to most of the big headline ones around the world, I still believe the best comedy festival in the world. Edinburgh is amazing, but it's a fringe yeah. festival and comedy's only part of it. And, mm. and Montreal's a trade convention and there's some other boutique festivals. But at, on the scale that Melbourne is, where all those artists, you know, write, create out of their own head, their own shows, mm. and then put them on for a month, it's there's nothing like it in the world. It's amazing. But yeah. most people's introduction to it is through the gala. So was the gala – did you kind of go, well, that's what comedy stand-up comedy looks like? Oh, uh, Maybe yes, early on, but also because once I started looking into it, and this would have been, um, so I was doing like it's 96, 97, um, that I was, you know, doing year 11 and 12. Um, so yes, it was a gala up until a point, but then, um, I was looking more into the comedy festival. As soon as my drama teacher said you should do comedy, yeah. I was like, right, how do I how do I do that? What do I do? So what um, did you do? Um I watched a lot. I uh I tried I wrote things. Um I did write jokes and stuff and just it was always just in the in the back of my mind that that's something that I would do. Um but I just didn't know the first step of actually pursuing it. Um, but I, I do remember, like, in when we were in Year 12, uh, we studied women's theatre as part of one of the curriculum for our um, drama course. And um, so we just did a focus on Wendy Harmer. And, so, as, you know, so we just studied you know, this one female comedian and and from that like looked at other female comedians and then the school went, right, let's take you all to the comedy festival. So we went to Upfront. Wow. Yeah. And it was um and it was just two car loads. There was only like six of us that went. So we two teachers drove us in their cars and we just drove up and, you know, went to the town hall and Miss Itchy was on. And they did their beef luncheon fight where they just threw slices of Devon through the audience. And I turned to my mate and I've just I've never seen anything like it before. And I was just like, Oh, I wanna do that. Like how much do you wanna be on that stage? And she's like, Oh yeah, whatever and I'm like, Oh no, I was hooked at that stage. And what but and but also what a an amazing gig to go to. Oh. For that first gig, because you're talking for those that don't know what Upfront is, because not everyone's familiar with the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but it's a night. And Faye and I talked about it when she was on the show. But um, it, it's a night that originally was started to showcase, you know, and provide a gala-like opportunity for, um, you know, female comedians who weren't being booked on it. But now is 
as strong as any night that mm. yeah happens during the entire festival because yeah. of the quality of you know the people that it showcases and it's become an institution of comedy so not only are you going to a night where you know it's just great comedians from start to finish so yeah. but you're also seeing a night of well every one but one probably because they normally have a token a token dick in there somewhere but yeah. a night ce- you know celebrating all these various types of you know women in comedy it's pretty great it's pretty great, right? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you. So, when was the first time you did upfront, and was how, and oh. did that feel like a yeah. exciting and big moment in your life to realize Huge. that you'd been that kid in the audience going, "I want to do this," yeah, and then yeah. suddenly you were about to walk out and do it. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I get the same feeling every year that I do it. Um, but the first time I did it, it would have been. Um, it was the same year that I did my first solo show. So that was, oh, yeah, it was like, two th- would have been 2007. So it was like 10 years later. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I remember I did, um, had, oh, I got the gig through um, through networking. Oh. Pretty, I know. Like it was... Um, I was at a like a comedy festival, um, like all these comedy festival people were at, at a barbecue, and some other comics were talking about doing roadshow or something like that. And then someone asked me and said, "Oh, are you doing roadshow?" And I was like, "Nah, I want to, can I do up front?" And so I was like, "You want to do up front?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, yes, I want to do up front." Um, and they were like, "Oh, okay." And then kind of nothing more came of it. And then it was the Daniel Kitson um, came to see my show. It's my first solo show, and he loved it. And he spoke about it. And it was just when he was hosting it at the festival club one night. And it's funny, I was in the audience, and I was watching, and I knew that he'd been to see my show that night. So I was just kind of this in this weird world of like, oh, I can't believe he's been to see my show and now he's up on stage and he's oh what is happening and then in my mind I had this fantasy of like oh how cool would it be if he went oh I saw a really great show tonight <laughs> and then I kind of snapped back to reality was like he doesn't do that that's no. so I'm gonna go upstairs yeah. and sit and have a drink with my friends um and I did that and then um another comic and you know Andy McClelland yeah he came up and he just put two hands on the table and he went you missed it didn't you and I went missed what and he goes Daniel Kitson just plugged your show and I'm like oh my god what <laughs> like what else could I visualize and make happen <laughs> exactly right anyway so I went and someone said you've got to go say thank you and I'm like all right I'll go say thank you and I went down, and I'm just standing at stage door at at Hi-Fi or yeah. the Festival Club just waiting for him to come down. <laughs> and then another, like one of the festival work was like, you can go up if you want. I'm like, can I? Oh, my God. So <laughs> anyway, I went up and I was like, oh, thanks so much. And then like it was the uh, first time I met David O'Doherty mm. and I met Dimitri Martin and stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've all heard great things about your show. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then Daniel was like, oh, hey, we're going to go get some, um, go have some dinner. Do you want to come and grab something to eat with us? And I was like, nah. <laughs> I said, this is, this is enough this for is me. Enough, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Can't eat on this stomach. <laughs> yeah. And he went, 
Okay then. <laughs> so yeah. And then and then um the woman from festival was Edwina, one of the producers from festival was like, How about that, eh? Like Daniel Daniel Kitson giving you a show a plug and I'm like, Can I do up front please? Like I just because she was the first one I brought it up with. She goes, oh, for fuck's sake, you with this up front? And she goes, all right, email me tomorrow. And I emailed her, and then I I made it on. She gave me the gig, Look and then finally a white straight man doing something <laughs> to get women ahead in show business. Yes, come on. <laughs> so and I did it, and I remember I I was doing my show in the the backstage room, and I so I went on um, just before. My spot was just before my show mm. and, of course, everything's running late, therefore I'm late for my show. So I remember walking on stage and just letting that all soak in, doing my spot, it goes well, and then going off stage and you come round the back and you go past everyone that's kind of sitting in the green room watching it on TV and stuff and just going, and they're all cheering, going, oh, great job, and I just didn't have time to stop. And I just went, oh, th-, you know, just ran past, went, thanks, and then ran past at the doors and then there's the line of everyone coming in to see my show. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'll be there in a minute. And then um, like rushing in and the stage is set for my show and then you go backstage and backstage is you're standing between a wall and a curtain. <laughs> and I'm just standing there and just as the audience is coming through, that's when I just went, oh, my God, what just happened? Like that was the moment that I that it all kind of went, yeah, you just – Remember that? You just right. did it. It was incredible. Um, the, I, I don't always talk to people about, um, yeah, you know, it's so much about comedy, but I, I like talking to you about comedy and this is such an interesting story to me. And Wendy Harmer is a person that, um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I love Wendy. Like mm. she's, you know, again, some, someone who at some stage we've made many plans for us to do this podcast, but we just need to be in the same place to do it. And, um but I grew up watching her and just adoring her and just yeah. thinking how amazing she was. And a theme that's come up regularly on this podcast is how spoiled I now realize I was for being surrounded by brilliant female comedians. Yeah. You know, that like, in fact, if anything, it gave me a blind spot into realizing that it, things weren't as even as I perceived them to be because oh. there were so many fucking great female comedians yeah. who I admired so much that I just didn't quite, when people would talk about the whole f- funny women, women in comedy, I just, it didn't quite register to me for ages for what they were even fucking either. talking about. You know, but I was the same because I, you know, I saw women on TV, um, you know, I loved Wendy Harmer and I loved um, Judith Lucy and, uh, and you know, I think one of the, it was really early on where, um, Judith hosted the gala with Shane Bourne. And I was just like, so for me it was like, yeah. of course women are doing fine. And then when I started doing comedy, um, I ha- always had that in the back of my mind. You know, I was always the one going, if you're funny, you're funny. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a big pile of horseshit. Yeah, the, the, it, it can create and, – and that's the reason I bring it up a mm. bit on the podcast is because I'm trying to – acknowledge why my blind spot was there and I, I think mm. that you know you know being surrounded by uh such strong women made me 
overlooked the fact that you know, my personal experience probably wasn't necessarily the mm. experience that was going on. Um, when, when was when did you become aware of that? Like, did you was there a, a moment or was it over a period of time? Or? I think it's definitely over a period of time, and I think it was. Um, oh, do you know? I do remember having. Uh, a drink with two comics one night, and it was after a gig where it was a, there was a run of gigs uh, where there was no women on the bill. Mm. Um, like it wasn't just one night; it was no. a series of like eight shows over two months, like every every Wednesday night, and it was male MC, male headliner, male support for yeah. all of them. Um, and I think that had been pointed out. Uh, to the person running it, and so I get a call. Oh, here you come. I've got a support spot for you. Like, oh, thanks very much. But I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking take it. Um, and then so I was having a drink with two other male comics that are very close friends, very good friends, and I'm happy to talk talk all openly with them about this kind of stuff and have had many conversations with them about it. Um, but we were talking about this lack of women on the bill and they were, you know, discussing this whole, if you're funny, you're funny. Um, and their idea was like, yeah, if you just want to be successful, like just, you just ask for gigs. You just book yourself in a gig. Like one of them said like he would do gigs in Perth but he would wait until he'd look at the flights and go, oh, there's cheap flights to Perth and he'd book and he'd go, right. And then he'd call the um, people running gigs in Perth and go, I'm coming over. <laughs> and the idea, and I'm like, are you, the notion that women can do that, that we can just call up a broom promoter and go, hey, hey I'm in town. I'm can you put over. me on? Prepare. Yeah. So, and I just, you know, I was just like, oh, you guys, you don't see it. At all, like it's you don't, um, and and it was the and I'm watching friends that would, um, you know, it's that classic thing of, um, like, oh, I've got this mate, it'd be really good for this, I've got this mate, it'd be really good for this. And, um, one of my best mates who was running, um, this is early on in my career, um, was, um, doing these gigs in Brisbane like booking these gigs in Brisbane. Um, he goes, oh, I'll get, you know, new Melbourne talent coming up. And then he was talking to me going, oh, I should get this person for it. I'm like, what about me? Mm. Why aren't you asking? What about the person you're talking yeah, to? Yeah, why aren't you asking me to come up and do it? And he's like, oh, I don't think you're ready for it yet. And it's that idea a lot of men are like, women are never ready we're never ready for it. It's like, oh, no, I don't think you're quite there yet. I don't think you're quite there yet. Meanwhile, we're in the background just fucking working away. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we're there, but now we've got other shit we've got going on. Sorry, mate. You're going to have to find someone else to do your support spot because I've got to go do my own show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's. I think the, the industry is very good at once you're – at the top, yeah. like it's... I have plenty of opportunity for people who are at the top already. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're starting out, yeah. it's like, nah, you're, nah yeah. you're not ready. You're not ready. I think that's true. I mean, I from... from I don't, I don't... I always hesitate to talk about what it's like coming up because it's been a 
very long time since I went through that and the industry has changed a lot since mm. I went through that. So I I have a tourist view yes. of what is going on, not a person yeah. who's living in the middle of it. But I that th- does seem to be the case to me yeah. as well. I think it's changing though. So I always hesitate because like the last thing I want to do is have a conversation about like what's it like to be a woman in comedy. Yeah. You know, but what I would f- find interesting is your insight on – what is it like for everyone else? As in, mm. is not what is it like for women in comedy, but how is comedy accommodating women better? Does that mm. make sense? You know, like, is it changing? Uh, is there still rooms that will only book a, a night of all men? Or is that now at least they'll put on a token other person? Or I th- think you they, I, it absolutely still happens, mm. but I it gets called out on yeah um and also i think there are much more spaces for women and um female identifying artists um for them to to do comedy and i think that's the big change Mm. is that you don't have to there isn't just this you know oh if you can't get a gig here you're not gonna yeah Get anywhere. Yeah, you know? create your own space. Yeah. Find your own audience. Yeah. And I think there is this new generation of comics that are so I'm like, oh, fuck you work hard. Like in you just create your own work. Mm. And I think that's that's something that I uh regret in my in the early years of my career. Um, I think I'd sat back and waited for opportunity and like it was all I was always like, Why aren't why can't I do that? And I just then it was like years later I'm like, Oh, you just just do it. Yeah. I, <laughs> just I, create it. Yeah, I got an upfront because I kept asking them if I could yeah. be on upfront. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it is hard to demand opportunity because inherent in demanding an opportunity for yourself is believing that you are worthy of that opportunity and that yes. that itself is something that I still struggle to this to this day yes um you know I often am racked by you know I mean as I think a lot of people in our industry are is like a great sort of sense of imposter about oh, yeah. what you do you know I, I don't think that I belong here but fuck it I'll just keep doing it until somebody taps yeah, me on the shoulder yeah. and says you can't do this anymore yeah but that then does lend itself to not to not wanting to go, hey, I can do this because what if you can't do it? Yeah. So did you have that or did you have to overcome that or is that something that's not inherent to you? Uh, all of the above. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly, um, yeah, there were times where, yeah, I absolutely didn't feel with, Like, you know, for example, the idea of calling Perth and going, hey, I'm coming to town mm. was just like, oh, no, nah, can't do that. But now um, I think it's um, that's changed a lot. Um, I am absolutely more confident in, in what I do. Um, and I th- but that's come about because of uh, other people's belief in me and me actually um, listening to it and accepting that. So yes, so the the opinions of others that you trust saying that mm. you're good at what you do yeah. reassured you, and, and then you 
letting you actually not being that person who says no 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 they're idiots but actually go okay yeah well if these people think that i'm good then yeah maybe i can let myself accept that i am also and good. also getting it from strangers as as well i think that mm. makes a, a a big difference as well um but i think you know for me it was it was when i um got the job on on breakfasters on mm. triple r um and it was funny to get that job. I, um, Josh Earl had the was in my role before me, mm. and he, um, when his contract wasn't, he knew his contract wasn't going to be renewed. He kept on emailing me and messaging me, going, "You'd be great for this job. You'd be great for this job." I was like, "Oh yeah, it'd be great." You know, I'll just wait and I'll wait to be asked, kind of thing. Um, and then it was made public that they weren't being their contract wasn't being renewed and there was going to be a new breakfast team the next year. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just wait until they advertise the role and then I'll apply for it Um, and just waited and waited and waited. And then he was like, you should, you know, you should do this. And I'm like, oh, oh, hang on. (laughs) Should I just email? (laughs) And he, yes, Yes. (laughs) just send an email. So... And I did, and then I, I got a call like the next day and they were like, um, hey, have you got time for a chat? We got your email about the breakfast roll. You got time for a chat? And I was, I'd just, I'd just been to the pool and I had just swum some laps. And so I'm in the front seat of the car wrapped in a towel thinking, oh, yeah, I'll, I can make time to go in and have a meeting. And then they just went, yeah, because we'd really love you to do the – have the role like we'd love you to be a breakfaster next year and I was like oh so they just said that on the yeah on the phone, phone. yeah so <laughs> normally when they say can you come and have a chat that's when they break the news to you yeah. rather than just going I just went, yeah yeah we'd love to have you yeah. if you wanted to do it I'm like yeah I'm gonna fucking yeah. do it um but it was that and they said we wanted you um for the role because uh you're Good at what so in in the breakfasters it's because it's not you know it's all comedy it's like um there's one role the there's the um, person that does the music um and does all the back announcing and stuff and then there's the person that leads the interviews and then there's a person that drives the content and my role is to drive the content and when they hired us all they went we just wanted the people that were um really good at what they did in each category. So um, Jeff Sparrow used to, um, when we first started, he was in the role of leading the interviews and he's a, an amazing journalist. He writes for The Guardian. He used to be the editor of Overland um, and various other things. Um, and Sarah Smith is a music journalist, um, you know, was an editor at Fast and Loud and wrote for Junkie and, and things like that. And then... And she's, and then there was me, and, you, and she's like, "But your comedy CV, it's like, of course, why wouldn't we hire you?" And to hear that from somebody else, and someone that, um, like, gave me a job because of my comedy, that was the, oh, okay. And what? So, how long have you been doing that show for now? Uh, four years. Yeah, so that's like a decent amount of time. Yeah. What is it? Um, what what do you, what do you love about it? Uh, what's the downside to it and um, uh, what's the thing that surprised you the most about it? The uh, thing I love about it is the um, – oh, there's lots to love about it. 
I um I love the community radio is such a, a special a special place. Like is you know community special and to have community radio is great and Triple R is an amazing community to be a part of um like the in terms of you know the other broadcasters the listeners and the staff and whatnot it's just an amazing it's, community. Uh, subscriber listener supported mm. radio station it's the um it's the um, biggest um community radio station in the southern hemisphere um it's it's an incredible um organization i'm a triple r lifetime subscriber and uh uh I don't even listen to it that much anymore, really, mm. to be honest, you know, in my life. But it's one of the things that I'm very proud of. And every year when they yeah. know, send me the thing and I read the magazine and I see what's, you know, going on because I feel like it's such a great cultural institution. It is. It- and for me, the first time I ever heard any of my work on anything was on uh, Dave Taranto's Cheese Shop program on mm. R, And so... Uh, that was, he played something that I'd done at his you know, cheese shop sh- live show that they'd recorded, and he played it, you know, on his show in between, you yeah. know, the Bill Hicks stuff he would play or cork in the juice pigs, and then you're like, that's me, like yeah. he's playing me doing comedy on his like on the radio. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that the station is lacking at the moment is, um, you know, a an opportunity for more comics to be. On the station, and we're trying, you know, but we things are, you know, we're trying to make make that happen. Um, and I'd certainly hope that I'll be able to do. Like I've I've done one, and I'll, I'll be doing another one. Is um, like just doing a live show in the um, we've got a performance space there, and just doing a, a comedy night there that is broadcast live on the radio. Um, so things like that, I love. Um, and I like, I love having, um, consistency. I love, um, and routine, you know, um, I love getting up early. Yeah. Love it. And I, and I love the regular pay. Yeah. Like it it gives you other things in your life. Yeah. Like having, yeah. yeah. Um, things that I don't like um uh, some people the things that people complain about that you know having to cop criticism for things you're just like oh it's just i mean it's just draining sometimes <laughs> you know it's like oh, why you know um and also it sometimes i've just got nothing left in the tank uh-huh. And it's but every day, it's like, uh, and it's only like for us at my show it'll be like two talk breaks a day yeah. that I'll have to come up with. But there, we don't have. Um, it's not like we have anyone else in the studio with us. So in terms of coming up with a talk break, it's not like I can go. Um, oh, when you um, put your glasses away, do you put them? You know. Up, upside down or, you know, whatever. Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. it's not like I can do phoners. Yeah. It's just... Upside um, down being the obviously the only correct answer yeah. in that situation. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to get dust in there. Exactly. You know? yeah. Correct. Clean your shelves. Yeah. <laughs> Clean your shelves. shelves. Dry your, your glasses, glasses so they don't sweat when they're yeah. upside down, obviously. And then turn them that's, upside down. That's how it's like done. Like you're not a serial killer. Yeah. Um. So, talk breaks are like... 
most I just end up, you know, it'll just be like I'll talk about things that I've done the yeah. day before. Um, and But sometimes I haven't done anything, <laughs> you know, or I'll have to look back at life and yeah. think, oh, what have you done? You know, and, and it's... And how does that feel, the actual process of, because this is something I think about a lot, which is so little of my life is just lived as oh. a, like so much of it is processed. Yeah. So much of it becomes like I'm after we do this today, I've got to go in and like do a thing on Mick and Jane's radio show. Mm. And they message me this morning and go, you know, hey, what have you got two, you know, stories you can tell? And suddenly yeah. you have to go back over your week and things that were just things you did suddenly are like, now, yeah. is that a thing now? Is that a story? Yeah. Is that a bit? Can I like, what tell the public when I took, about that now? I took the dogs for a walk. What happened? <laughs> yeah, what happened? Happen? You know, I bought tiles. I took <laughs> the tiles back. Is there something about that? Yeah. Or, and it's just <laughs> constant. I just want to... Relax. Like I was, I was at. Sort of um, buy some tiles without yeah. tiles having to be a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to deconstruct tiles. Exactly. And then oh, I was at a, um, was with some mates um, walking through a, a dog park um, with our dogs and a, a plane went over, but it was like a little biplane. Mm. And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I, what, what are you going to say about that? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. yet. And it'll but, be like, it's an oh, offer. That, you it's know, something. There I was in the park. I never used it though, but, <laughs> you know, it's that kind of. And so when when you go on holidays, mm. it's the most joyous thing is to, before going to sleep at night, just not having to think, what am I going to talk about on the yeah. radio tomorrow? So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but you have a comedy festival show to put together. I mean, now, so um, let's start with last year. Uh, last last year was the Barry year, right? Not this year, this year this we haven't year. got through this year. Yet. No, yeah. Last comedy festival, but yes. yeah, this year. So your show got nominated for the well, it's not the Barry anymore. The no, Melbourne International most Comedy Festival. Most outstanding Yeah. So mm. it was one of six nominees, five nominees. How many did they nominate? Uh, anyway, yeah, six. Not very many. Uh, one of not mm. very many nominees for the most outstanding show at the comedy festival, which is a. Extraordinary thing. Oh. A festival of 600 different acts and, you know, some of the best comedians uh, both from Australia and internationally to yeah. be to have a panel of people over a – see a series of your shows. And mm. so it's not just about being good on one night. It's about having something mm. that, you know, is a consistently, you know, interesting and challenging and entertaining show that – you know, a whole bunch of judges from different, you know, life perspectives and comedy perspectives enjoy. It's 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 quite a magnificent thing, really. Oh, and yeah, it um, is magnificent. How, how did yeah? How, how did it feel? Because it's still fresh enough in your world and your <sighs> mind to remember how it must have felt when you found oh, out. Oh yeah, that- for sure. I um because I was uh, self produced. Um, I had well, I had a, I had a friend that was um producing my show, Roe Hudson, um, was, you know, helping out with the yeah. publicity and, and stuff. Um, and so, and because the show was sold out and it was like the Monday night before the announcement was being made um, and Comedy Festival had asked for another ticket. I was like, oh, we know it's sold out, but can you still get us a ticket? Um and also they went through um, Anne, who runs the venue, and she sent me a text saying, 
oh, bloody festival trying to get a Barry judge in for your show. And I was like, I mean, that's great, yeah. but also, oh, no, <laughs> do I want to know that? I think I, I think I, that's okay. What? Yeah, it's. I mean, if it's down to the what, obviously, I'm. I'm gonna get. Who cares? Whatever. Oh man, I was a wreck. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so yeah, we we got them in. Um, and it was fine. And I did the show, and I mucked something up in it. I forgot something, and was it was that moment of like, oh well, there goes yeah, <laughs> there it goes. So, um, but then then you know. I knew that the announcements were going to make, be made the next morning, like 10 o'clock or whatever. Um, and so I went in and did radio and we have a meeting at 10 and it was just like this, like obviously while you're on radio, it's you don't think about it, it's fine, no, you're yeah. so busy. And then there was this hour <laughs> from after the show till... Oh, of yeah. just like trying not yeah. to think it's about fine. it. I don't even. I think awards are stupid anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? I just do it for the art. I've had a sold out season. Everything's oh, great, guys. Yeah. And then, um, and then I got a text off Susan Proven, who's the first festival director, and she went, "Just a heads up, um, you've been nominated for the most outstanding show." Um, Announcement will be made in like 10 minutes. That's funny. I'm still, I get so emotional about it now because it was just like, oh my God, I can't, I could not believe it. And the only other person in the studio, I was by myself. Well, I wasn't by myself. There was Sarah, my co-host, but she was on the phone (laughs) and I had to, like talking to her and I just, so I stood up and I walked outside of the studio and there was no one around and I was just like, I got a, and I went back in, and I'm looking at her, and then I, I'll, I'll just make it obvious that there's something going on, and I walked back out again, and came back in, and I'm like, my, and then she looked, and she goes, oh, I got to get off the phone. And I went, I've been nominated for the Barry, and she went, holy fucking shit, and I was just like, oh, amazing, and then you know, walked around into the office, and and um, she's like, Johnny's got an announcement to make. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a baby. <laughs> And I went, no, I've got to, and everyone was like, you know, so excited. And I, you know, I sent a text to, to Kath and it was just like, and then like, obviously by that time it's been announced and then the text messages start coming through. And the one that I remember was from Reese Nicholson and he said, uh, you know, congratulations. It's a feeling that never goes away. And it hasn't. It's incredible. And, you know, so for for me it was like, I never, ever thought that I would be nominated for that award. I was, like, um, happy just to do a, a show every year and I was happy with the, um, like, with getting more success every year. Um, so, yeah, to be – I didn't even think that I was being looked at you know, I thought I was always the, oh, yeah, Jessica, she does great things. Yeah, we love it. She's great. But you're over there, you know. And so to, yeah, to get that, nah, you're you're actually over here was like, yeah, it was incredible. Uh, so, I, I look, I 
it changes things because mm. in your head, I think that there is those moments, and mm. it, that's like I'm, you know, not a big fan of, you know, awards and stuff. It's art, and it's very hard to compare. Yes, you know, you know, once it gets to that point, you know, there's 20 shows that I saw at the comedy festival that I would have been happy with that. If each of them had, if someone had said that's the best show in the festival, I would have been like, yep, yeah, fair enough. That's, yeah. that's you know, um, but from a personal point of view, when you are that person in those moments, mm. like, you know, I have a, I got nominated for the Perry and Newcomer in Edinburgh in 99, and I remember it distinctly as going, okay, all right, a whole bunch of people who don't know me, yeah. like in another country, yeah. came and saw the show, and they thought it was like one of the best three first shows yeah in the festival i was like okay that actually i didn't win someone else won right mm. but to me i was like oh oh yeah oh okay well all right Thanks. okay that yeah and it and it, it it changed me a little bit because then i was like okay well now what am i going to do next so that's the mm. question i want to ask you because you went into that last festival not like you know thinking about yourself necessarily in that world, just doing your show, you're doing what you wanted to do, you know, being happy to, you know, get a bigger audience and grow what you are and these sort of things. But does it, in is your approach to this year business as usual or does that change, you know, the way that you go into this year's show in some way? Uh, I think it's it's business as usual but more business. Yeah. So um, it's from, you know, I mean, from various, I do have management now, um, and that's been um, oh man, such a, it's so great. <laughs> like to go from doing, being self-producing yeah. and doing my own thing for so many years to like having someone go, can you just sign this? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, I, and I don't think people appreciate that either. You know, we mm. talk about in society the idea of privilege, right? Yeah. All sorts of different privilege. But there's there's comedy privilege as well. Oh, in that, yeah. like, and I say this all the time. It's like when I sit down to write a show, like I will put in the same amount of work as someone who's like, you know, playing a 40-seat room, you know, like mm. they're, both, they're also going to write an hour show and put their heart and soul into it. But yeah. they also have to go and get their posters printed and they have to go and like write stick them up themselves and, and they have to write a press release yeah. and answer those phone calls and make sure there's a ticket from the person from the comedy festival. Yeah. All I have to do is rock up on the night and, yeah. and do my show. And, and even I'll go a step further is – they're doing all that in the hope that people will come. I'm yeah. doing it with the knowledge that people will come. Yeah. And that is a privilege in itself. Like, I mean, you're – and maybe you don't think about it this way or maybe you've gone, I've been growing my audience anyway. But you can be confident going into this year that what you're writing is like people are going to see this. Yeah. Like people are going to come out and see my yeah. show. I've built an audience myself plus the yeah. fact that, you know, I've kind of graduated up a different level. People are going to be interested in coming in to see – Oh, what I have to for do. sure, which means that for me it's more business now. Yeah. So it's more you can't just like I think the for many years doing a festival, the idea was um, oh hopefully um, I'll get a good review or I'll just I'll just do this show to see what else there is, and then it was yeah I think it was about three years ago that I was just like oh no this is your job you've just yeah. got to do a show it doesn't matter. <laughs> You just 
doing and all but also that also coincided with the year that I actually started making money yeah. from festival and that was a huge thing as well so um cuz yeah the fir- it, yeah it was the first year I did radio um I cuz I'd already been booked in to do festival so first year on radio did a show and then the next year was like towards you know this time towards the end of year when registration is due and stuff and I was like oh do you know what maybe I'll take next year off I'll take next year off you know um, like I'm doing radio now. I think it's fair that I can have a year off. Yeah. But then it was Kath, my partner, that just went, I fully support whatever you want to do. <laughs> but do you remember how much money you made at festival <laughs> this year? <laughs> so I went, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a job. Yeah, yeah it's my I'll job. I'll do it. Yeah. So festival this year, mm. oh man, we're getting in a new kitchen. Yeah, and that was you know because of festival. It's funny each time I'd come, I'd show her like the because that's a bit when you're self producing you see your own ticket reports, and every night I'd just show her the ticket report, and then she'd just get on her computer and start, <laughs> and get on the IKEA website. Oh, to, so it'd be like the end of what was it? It was. Um... It was one of those game shows where it was like, let's go shopping and you'd yeah. have 800 bucks and you'd be like, I'll have the toaster and the yeah. washing machine. But she just get on, because she's designing the kitchen itself. Yeah. So she just get back on the IKEA kitchen design website and go, well, maybe we can put that dishwasher in, you know. Um, uh, can I ask you a, a, a question, uh, not about the podcast? What time is it? Oh, quarter past three. What time do you have to be done by? No time. Okay, is that alright? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, do you mind if I just have a bathroom break then? No. Uh, I ask people on this podcast if they have a philosophy. Yes. Um, I have not asked you that yet. No. Um, but uh, I'm asking you now. <laughs> What's my philosophy? Yes. What's my... Um, I think it's... Uh, run your own race, uh, um, yes. which I'm pretty sure it was Adam Richards that told me about it early on. Um, and uh, I mean, that's my philosophy for comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, is don't get caught up in what other people are doing. How do you not do that? Because I even I find that. It's almost the hardest thing. It's. I think that's such great advice, by the mm. way. It's such a. It's something that you wish. A. I wish someone had told me. Yeah. And. B. Something that I think everybody needs to hear, but you probably don't understand it until you, you know, understand it. It's one of those things that people can probably tell you over and over, but mm. until you actually understand what it means, yeah. you'll never understand what it means. But it's probably the most important thing to to know isn't yeah. it yeah and i think it's helped me a lot is that understanding of it um i think because i've had so many um friends that are so much more successful than me and um and i don't want to be jealous of mates you know and i think and i think that's why it's been so easy for me to to understand is um i I think I I love my mates and I want them to have, you know, all the success and I can see why they get the success. Um, and I think, I, I think like early on um, 
I directed Celia Bacola's first solo show. And when I say direct, I kind of, I helped her out a bit, yeah. but, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I saw firsthand how much work she puts into a show um, and to anything that she does. Like we lived together for about five years, so I, I saw what was going on behind the scenes to get the success that she was getting. Um, and so it was once you, you see it, it's, I found it very easy. Like if someone else was getting something and you're like, why the fuck are they getting that? It was very easy for me to go, well, they're probably getting it because they've worked really hard or they've, um, they're very, you know, talented at that, at that specific role. So it just, that's what made it easier. Just to go, I could see that most people get their success from from working hard. It's it is though, like one of the I think sometimes one of the harder things about it is that you know we are well I'm sure not everybody's mates, but there mm. are lots of people you know because comedians are people we see a lot and it's a mm. social industry and there's just a lot of great fun people in comedy like one of the reasons that I wanted to be a comedian I have come to realize at least later in life was that I just like hanging out with comedians it's fun isn't it I thought the easiest way to hang out with comedians was to be a comedian yeah but it was like to be honest like a lot of the time I'd just be happy to go and hang out with the comedians I'm definitely one of those earlier on in my career I was probably one of those people who couldn't go to a comedy night without wanting to get up whereas now I'm like I love going to see comedy and I hate if somebody is like, do you want to go? Oh, up? I know. I'm like, no, 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 I just want to hang out. I'm yeah. having a good time. I don't want to spoil it with having to do a show. I don't want to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm here having fun. Um, but uh, it, it, it can be very destructive, you know, if it becomes mm. jealousy or bitterness. or yeah. And, you know, it happens quite a lot in comedy. And, and look, and I don't res- – I actually don't resent people their resentment because I have seen – wonderfully talented people who deserve more opportunities than they have got not Mm. get those opportunities and I can't imagine how frustrating it is when and I believe over the you know years that I've been doing comedy I've absolutely I've been overlooked for other people um but there is there's no point in you know dwelling on those moments you just I'd, I'd rather yeah just do my own thing now, well, so we started talking about acting, but we've um, what I uh, what actually like gave me an excuse to you know to contact you to say come and do this mm. is because like something that you're acting in is going to be yeah. on the television. I know it's come full circle. Right, <laughs> I know. It's- yeah. Um. So I'm. I've got a role in a. It's actually it's a web series, but yes. it'll be up on Nine now. Yes, which is that with the Nine. St- Streaming, streaming yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's on yeah. television. That's what television is. Um, and they'll, yeah, and they'll play it. They'll play it on Nine Go. Yeah, which um, is one of their secondary channels. But mm, I mean, these days it's just a channel, isn't it? Just Everyone's, a channel. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and it's a a series called Metrosexual, and it's about a um, it's set in a sexual health clinic in a metropolitan area, um, and it just follows um the story of the two doctors there. I'm one of them, Dr. Steph, um, and and there's the other doctor, Dr. Langdon. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a web series and I got involved 
it's probably about three years ago I got a tweet from the from Riley Nottingham who plays Langdon. Yeah. Um, who's also one of the um writers of the show. He sent me a tweet, he goes, Hey, we're writing this web series, we think you'd be really great for this role. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like I just had yeah. it seemed like I it was around the same time that I had done like a VCA film and I was like this person's seen me in this VCA film. Of course, I'll do your little student yeah. <laughs> thing. Like, I just had no idea. And then, so, you know, he goes, do you want to meet up for a coffee? I'm like, yeah, sure. Do, you know, read the script. Oh, no, he sent me the script and he goes, did you read the script? I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. You know, like, yeah. I just didn't think. Yeah. It was going to be anything. No, of course. But that's also, most things aren't anything. Yeah. So that's a reasonable thing to think. Yeah. And then it was um, nothing kind of, there was a few emails over the year or so. And then it was like, and he kind of kept me informed. He goes, oh, I think we've got a little bit more funding for, for this. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, we're going to do a pilot. And that was um, a year ago. So um, we filmed a uh, a pilot episode, like 10 minutes, um, and we did it over the uh, grand final long weekend. No one got paid, but um, it was like, oh, yeah, I'll do this, no problem. Um, it was within walking distance of my house. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, great. I mean, Michael Caine used to choose movie roles based on where he wanted to go on holidays. Oh, that's so that's so pretty great. similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd do that for sure. Um, and, then, and then it got picked up, and then they were like, yeah, we're – Nines picked it up, so we're we're shooting. So uh, and we sh- shot it in July, early this year. Um, it was like two and a half weeks of filming, and it was one of the most wonderful experiences. Um, just to be able to, um, like be on set for more than a day. Like I've yeah. had like cameo roles and stuff on other things, and it's just I've been there for a day. But to actually be on set, um every day and get to know all like all the crew and stuff. It was it was great. But it's this weird thing where it's like oh, I think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I've I've just got no idea how anyone else is how the rest of the world is gonna see it. Um so but we're all like you know, the crew was like, this is so funny. This is great. This is such a great show. This is something really special. And you really felt it when we were filming it. But at the same time, I was like, is this just because it's us? Or is this is this going to be reflected? And um, so I'm very excited to find out what everyone else. Well, the promo is funny. Oh, good. Yeah. Like, you know, which often even really funny shows don't have funny promos. Yeah. So that's a good start. It but is a yeah. good start, isn't it? See, yeah. I'm still like that, oh, good. <laughs> you know? I think, you know, and it was just, I I think it's testament to, you know, the the boys that created it. Um, it was Riley who's in it and the director, um, Henry, and another guy who, it was pretty much the director, Henry, and um, this other guy that wrote it together. Um, and, yeah, they just did an amazing job. But Henry would say to me, he goes, just in the script, he go, just so you know, when we've got dot, 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 that's just your chance to put in what you want. That's us going, Jessica put something funny in there. So it was a fun thing to film because there was lots of opportunities for – 
um, you know, improing and like just mucking around and, and things like that. Um, and it's also a great show because it, you know, it has a, a, a great message. So, so yeah. So talk to me about that. What's the, you know, when you say it has a great message, what, what, oh, what just that sexual health, yeah. you know, it's something that it's, it's not taught in schools adequately. Um, and it's, something that um, needs to be discussed more and why not do it in a humorous way. And also there are so many different um, uh, aspects of sexual health that um, that people don't talk about. Um, like there's, uh, you know, there's one episode where it concentrates on high school kids or, you know, high school leavers. Um, but there's also another episode where it's set in an old people's home because – Old people get riddled crabs. with STIs. Yeah, there's there's a myriad of reports that come out about old people, like and how in nursing yeah. homes, like they have, you know, all these cases of STIs. It's it's quite a common yeah, story but because we don't they, know they haven't been it. educated. Yeah, and they're also at a part, time of their life they're probably not taking the adequate Protection. precautions. Yeah, and they've got a history. So all the crucial uh, yeah ingredients. It's a very funny episode. I think with the one. Set in the old people's homes. One of, I think it was one of my favourites. Um, what was your uh, sex education like? Because, oh. like, growing up in the country, and then, like, also, like, you know, you know, uh, was there? Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I can't even remember sex ed at school. Like, I, I assume at some stage they gave us sex ed, but yeah. I actually have no recollection of there ever being a sex ed. Class. No, I went to a Catholic school, so yeah. So it was just like, don't the masturbate rhythm method. or the baby Jesus will die. <laughs> yeah. 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 They were like, you can't wear condoms. You, it was yeah. just, sex education was don't have sex. Yeah. Abstinence. Yeah. Our it's sex all... education program yeah. is very simple. <laughs> yeah. Don't have sex. Don't do it. But if you are going to do it, yeah. have a look at when you've, yeah. when you're menstruating and do it so you don't get pregnant because that's what it's all about. Um, <laughs> so, and I, I think, you know, I had the, the classic, where did I come from mm. and stuff. But in terms of like, like everything else, it's like oh, no. Nah. And it, um, my Kath is a um, uh, teaches sexual education. Oh yeah, right. And she's taught me so much. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to bring her work home. <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. But it it's is- confronting as well, though yeah. at times. Like I don't need that phallic on our coffee table. <laughs> you don't need to bring that up. I've made a life choice where I don't need that at all, mate. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't need to know how to put a condom on something. I know you're very good at it, but I, I don't need to. Don't need to know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, oh, but sexually, like it was just like, you know, everything. It was like, so there was no sex. And even like I remember um, learning about um, periods mm. Um, and it was just the first I heard about it, it was like my mum must have been having a conversation with my sister mm. about it and I'd walked into the room and just heard them say something about it. and I went, what? You don't bleed every month? And my mum went, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and then she showed me a finger that had a Band-Aid on it and she went, that's why I've got a Band-Aid on my finger. And so <laughs> for years I was just waiting for the stigmata. <laughs> Like I just, I would look at my hands and think, where am I going to start bleeding? <laughs> anyway, uh, so 
um, we, we mentioned the the Catholic school. Mm. Were you? Uh, well, I mean, I, I I guess I could ask in general, but like, were you a person who you know believed in what you were being taught in regard to yeah. religion? Yeah, I was super Catholic. Yeah, I just really love um, community. I think mm. I think I'm I'm very much a a follower and not a leader. So uh, I think you know because I do sit back and listen and go, oh, I'm all inspired by people, and I just go, oh yeah, that sounds great, and I'll follow along with it. And I um, I very much did that, you know, growing up as a as a Catholic, you know, and even um, after high school with. Um, you know, still like still went to church and was uh, an active member of the youth group and and whatnot. Um, but then it kind of, I think this is you know when I was in my early twenties, like you know, like from like high school up until I was twenty, um, and I just kind of. And this is probably about the same time that I was questioning my sexuality and there was no place for that in the Catholic no. Church. And um, so I just kind of suppressed a lot of my sexuality and did that and kept, kept it suppressed for, for you know, 10 years. Um, but it's not like I'd stayed Catholic that whole time. I just... Um, was I just kind of faded out and stopped going to church and and whatnot and just I think comedy just took over from that community aspect of it so it's like I couldn't go to church anymore because I was just too hungover you know <laughs> so I'd been out with my you know at a comedy night and yeah. stuff so and then and then it was you know you know many nowadays it's like oh it's such a I, I struggle with the whole idea of the institution of the the Catholic Church. This is of how much damage it's done, and it's hard to. Yes, it does some amazing things, and it's amazing for some people, but it's it's hard to ignore the damage that it that it has done and it is doing. It's hard to listen to Bill Cosby's albums anymore. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to separate the. Yeah. The art from the artist when it comes to the Catholic yeah. Church. And it's like I'm talking like um I went to World Youth Day in mm-hmm. Rome in the year two thousand and this was just before I started doing stand like I did I entered raw comedy in two thousand and one. Mm. So it was like six months before I started doing comedy. Um and I was at we were staying at a kibbutz and there was like, there's a group of like 200 Aussies. So it was like being on school camp. Um, and there was a, a, a bunch of priests and, and, and stuff there. And we, one night we did a, a talent show and I got up and did stand up comedy first time and did it at a kibbutz in Israel. That's really? What, yeah. That's where, where one of my first ever gigs was. And so what were you talking about at like the kibbutz? Do you know, I, I stole my material. <laughs> There's a comic from Bruce, you know, Greg Sullivan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow I had seen him once before yeah. and thought he was great and memorised his set and did his set. And I've since told him, I said, yeah. listen, I stole your material. 
Um, and he was like, that's totally fine. Um, I think I, saw... I wasn't going to play the kibbutz anyway, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think I, mostly I saw his material and I think I might, I can't even, I might have had something else of mine in there as well. But I, you know, I do remember. But one of the people that was on um, this trip was um, George Pell, Archbishop George Pell, who came up to me afterwards and said, I'm your biggest fan. And so I knew him. Uh, I met him on that trip. And wow. because I was an active member of this youth group, I would see him quite often. And so when I started doing comedy, every time he saw me, he was like, you, it was always asking about my comedy. You know, it's, oh, how's your comedy going? That's great. Tell me when you're on. I'd love to come and see you again. Was one of the most supportive people that, um, that, that around that you know that was there for me and, and my comedy. So it's funny when I hear people now that um, talk about, um, you know, when they hear you know they hear stories of me too, and they go, oh, but they've always been really nice to me, and they've been really supportive of me. I haven't seen any anything of that, and I go, yeah, I had that with George yeah, Pell. George Pell. <laughs> Wow, that's a story. Mm. It's, I mean, well, and of course, like all human beings, um, you know, are not one thing. You know, the, yeah. the one, the one of the things that as you get to be older, you realize is that, you know, no one is nice all the time. No one mm. is terrible all the time. You know, people present different sides of their personality yeah. to different people, you yeah. know, uh, all the time. You know, some of the people we know within the entertainment industry, some of the people who have a reputation to the public as being the nicest people are in yeah. real life not so nice and some people who have nasty reputations are actually really lovely mm. people. Like there's – I'm an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> a George Spell sympathiser <laughs> is what we like to say. <laughs> um uh wow that's a fucking incredible story so mm. do, do you still um if there's not too personal a thing to ask do you still believe like uh uh it like i mean i guess well I, I ask this question all the time so i'll ask it this way and then we'll work backwards mm. what do you think happens when we die <sighs> i don't know i um i don't think nothing um I just think there's there's too much um, special things in the world for it to be nothing. Too much wonder. Yeah. If it's all an accident, why is it this? Yeah. And it's just how can we, you know, like I mean, because I don't, I, I think that I believe in nothing. Like if yeah. I'm being completely honest, is that, but, but the thing that haunts me most about that is like I'm like, but if it's just an accident. If we are mm. just a random accident in the corner of the universe, yeah, those nights when I've watched someone be so funny on stage, I'll tell you who's – I went and saw all those uh, the Amazon shows that got filmed, you know. Oh, that, yeah, and, yeah. And so many. I mean, Judith and uh, Alice and Celia. Celia's show was like – I mean, I just thought – were you there you, that night? No. no. Oh, I had my show on at the same time. She was – like, 
you know, she, I mean, she's she's such a brilliant actress, Celia mm. as well. Like, I mean, not just a great co- comedian, but a the very, way she can personify yes. a joke, yeah. And it was just perfect. Like, mm. you know, just nailed it, perfect. And Edo, the opposite almost, yeah, you because know, Edo's Edo, you know. Yeah. What I mean, but her show was equally magnificent, but just in yeah, yeah, in an Edo way, not in a Celia way. But the one that of all of them that I have like thought about just over and over and over, like that if it was on tonight, I would go and see it tonight, is Zoe Coons-Mars show. Bossy I just Bottom. thought yeah. it was. And I saw the 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 show that won the Barry, and I, I very much like that show, but mm. this show to me was, you know, her, you know, yes. okay computer. Like I just, but I, but more than that, I just enjoyed watching it yeah. so much. And, when I'm watching something like that, when I'm having so much joy and fun and wondering at like something somebody has created, mm. it's just hard for me to go, when we die, nothing happens and yes. this is all just an accident. Because I'm like, if it's all just no. an accident, how can this be part of it? Yeah. And just and not even like, you know, be, like just, I don't know. It's such a – like that stupid just waking up in the morning and watching – and seeing a beautiful sunrise and um and just and those random meetings with people you know sometimes you meet someone and you'll never meet them again but you'll you know you might meet them at a party and you go oh my god you're my new best friend and then you never see them again and it's just like how what is bullshit nothing happens when we die you know <laughs> It's magic out there. Yeah, it's hard for me to reconcile what I believe with what I believe. I, wonder, I know. You know? Yeah. Um, so you not think too yeah. much about it. You just go. Yeah, well, I was yeah. going to say, do you think about it? Is death something that you think about? No. I'm, like, um, absolutely uh, not afraid of it. But, and, well, actually, that's changing. And I think that's because uh, I'd been single for for so long, and it if I died, I didn't see it as a effect. Yes, right. people would be sad, and, yes. you know. But and now, and now that I have someone in my life, I cannot imagine how I would cope if Kath was to die, and um, and I kind of think that she'd be able to cope a bit better if I was to die because she's the one in the relationship that. Um, I think, you know, it's a bit more balanced and she's the one that, you know, keeps, like just gets things done. Um, I just think about the logistics of everything. <laughs> like if she was to die, I think logistically yeah. she'd be able to go like plan a funeral, okay. whereas I wouldn't know where like, to begin, no. you know. Yeah. Um, so I th- I think about death in in that way of like um, I ho- I hope I die before she does <laughs> because I, I love I her. know exactly what you mean. Yeah, like I know exactly what you mean. It's such an honest thing to say. I think um, uh, what makes you the happiest when you when you're at your absolute happiness. Mm. What is it? Um. Oh, snoring on the couch. <laughs> no, I think um, just uh, 
oh, I have moments a lot and I um where I I kind of you know do things and um I'll turn to Kath and go how great is our life I think they're my favorite moments when you stop and and look around and go oh this is pretty great <laughs> you know like and that could be anything like um I'm a big fan of theme parks uh-huh. and I, I went to LA last year um, and I was there for seven days mm. and six of them were at theme parks. And what was your favourite of the theme parks you went to? I reckon Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, I haven't been to Knott's Berry Farm. It's really great. It's very, um, it's like the sovereign hill of the oh. theme parks over there. <laughs> okay, right. But it's still, um, but if like, yeah, it's, but with some of the best rides. Yeah. I just really loved it, and because it's it was a bit more um, less people around, so I just really, yeah. Loved I, when it. I was living in LA, I used to go to Universal Studios about so good. once every. I'm going to say once every two months. I would go to Universal. I would do that if someone was in town. Yeah, I would take them to Universal Studios, and I had the method. Like which rides we go on in which order, like how the tour fit into it. Like I had a whole thing. I'd be like, this is the best way to do it, and I would love it every single time. It's so great. We was it you've been Harry Potter world there? Yeah. I reckon I went on that Harry Potter because I got the fast track (laughs) ride thing. Got to do that. Oh, you're an idiot if you don't get the yeah. fast track. Yeah. Who cares how yeah. much it costs? Yeah. If you go on a Universal if you're Studios, you're going. You're going. You're on a ruin your day by standing in a line. No, I capitalism's just... terrible, but use it to your advantage <laughs> yes. in these situations. But I just got on that, and because you don't, it, the ride doesn't stop. It's like on, on a conveyor belt. I just love that. I just constant, <laughs> just getting on and off. And back on again. And it was one point point in the ride. Slightly too exotic thing at Sushi Train that just keeps going around and around, and everyone's like, I don't know what it is. And it was so, there was one part of the ride that once, and one of the rides that I went on, on, one time I was on it, where you walk in and the projectors, everything went dark and like the projectors were off, there was no noise. It was just kind of rolling around in this seat, going, whoa, with just this silence and in darkness and I was like yeah this is awesome um uh what would you if if you could do anything like you know and uh, like maybe career-wise let's go career-wise actually Mm -hmm. if you could do anything career-wise you know magic one you know like you know in that way of going you know close my eyes I hope that Daniel Kitson comes to my show and then says something really nice about my show yeah. on stage at the festival club and then I can ask Ed Wiener if I can burn up front and she'll say yes. Like what is there one of those that you'd love to be able to blink and turn into reality? Yeah. Uh um I'd love to um to host my own game show. Ah, yeah. What sort of game show would it be? Do you Just- think? Oh, like some sort of um, fun one, just anything that Grant Denyer does. Yeah. So just that idea of um, talking to people and going, oh, this would be fun. So tell us yours. Oh, yeah, is that what you do? Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fucking great at it. You would be great at that. That's exactly – that is, I'm endearing and I get it. information yeah. out of people and the people like, you know. Yeah, people like you. They share things with you. You, yeah. can, make, you can make fun of people in a very good way too, yeah. which is like like that we're in a way that is inclusive 
for yeah. the person who's you having bit a little of, bit of fun oh, with. Like, oh, is that yeah. what you do, is it? Oh, yeah. how about? Yeah, how about I'm Right, like, first question. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> they should call it all right, first question. Because that's <laughs> like a little bit of banter and then yeah. all right, first question. First question. question. <laughs> yeah, I think you would be fantastic at that. Um, and what do you perceive to be your weakness if you if you could change is there something about yourself that you would like to change uh um being more uh maybe productive with my time but i think i'm working better on that i wish um i was better at typing oh yeah right i can't the idea like when someone said we need a script for this tv thing oh i can't do it I hate it. So I wish um, I was was better at physical typing and writing. I like write so much and I I can type fast, but I don't type properly. Like I mm. can type much faster if I'd learned to type properly. Yeah. At high school, they tried to teach me to learn to type properly. And then I did a journalism degree where they tried to teach me to type properly. And I was just like, I'll never need to know this. And then I've spent the rest of my fucking life going, I wish I learned how to type. That would have been real good. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if you could take a skill from somebody else, like, you know, like – uh, I don't mean mm. that they don't get it anymore, but is there something in other people that you admire that they have that you're like, oh, I wish I could do that or I wish I had that skill? Um, I don't think so because uh, like years ago I would have said I wish I had more confidence to, you know, to do that or I wish I was, you know, um, better at doing crowd work or I – like everything that I wish that I had, I worked and now I think that I have it enough. So I don't want it any more. Um, when people talk about you behind your back. What are they saying? <laughs> I mean, it's a hypothetical All question, right. Jess. Um, what would you like them to be saying? Um, oh, that... Um, I'm thoughtful and generous and work hard. Uh, last question. and we, we have, You feel all right about this? I think so. Yeah, I've liked it. I think it's been great. Yeah. Uh, and the dog's finally settled down. Yeah. Only about halfway through. Do they keep chewing things and barking? And now that they're actually sleeping and really peaceful, we'll have to finish yeah. up. Um, it's the time machine question. So I have a time machine. I don't have a time machine. I need to point that out for legal reasons. But for the sake of this question, I have a time machine. And I can take you back to any time in your life. And uh, we can either change a moment in your life or we can observe a moment in your life. Which of those would you like to do and, and what would the moment be? Um. I think I'd I'd like to um this is so vain. I'd like to go back to the moment that Kath proposed to me. Um because I don't like what I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just wearing pants and a hoodie yeah. and it's such a beautiful moment. Yeah. I just wish that did I you, had a nice shirt on. Did you just not on. see it coming? 
Not at all. She proposed to me um, on radio mm. um, and, yeah, it was, I uh, she proposed to me just before my 40th birthday and I'd asked for a, a surprise birthday for my 40th. Um, and part of the surprise, I suspected that she may have included asking me to marry her as part of the surprise. Um, so when she came in to the radio station, I was like, oh, here we go. We're, I never thought that she would ask me on air. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I got, maybe I'd get to finish work early yeah. <laughs> and we were off on some adventure. Yeah. Um, where you could put on a shirt and. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but she came in and she had like a big box and she went, oh, there's, um, as you know, you know, it's Johnny's surprise, 40th. Um, this is just uh, a beginning of an indication of what's going to be happening over, you know, in the coming days. Um, so I thought, oh, there's going to be clues in here to say that she's going to ask me to, but yeah. it's, it's not going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and so the whole, she'd opened up and there was like a, she, there's a board game, The Game of Life. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty clear indication of what's happening and I'm opening things there's a bottle of wine and then there was a tiny little box but there was nothing in the box and then she went oh hang on and then got down on one knee and pulled the ring out and said and I, the whole time I was like not here <laughs> like in my mind just going why are you doing this here <laughs> and it was being filmed um, and so it's you know it is up on – it's on Facebook. It has been watched more than anything that I've ever done, like any comedy that I've ever put up. It is – it's half a million people have watched our proposal. Um, and I'm like, I wish – I wish you'd, one of my comedy routines had gone viral like that. <laughs> you know? got to put some links underneath. Yeah. <laughs> so um, – but I look at it and I go – I just wish I had a nice shirt on rather than an army green hoodie that I got from Uniqlo. <laughs> I'd like to go back to that. That's that's one of the best answers that I've had to that question. Thank you. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. People, uh, so uh, tell me about um, the the tour that you will do next year. Where are you taking the show? You start in Perth? I'll start, I'm going to do Perth and then hopefully... Perth uh, is part of Perth Fringe? Yeah. And do you know where you're performing in Perth yet? I do, um, at the Shambles. The Shambles? Mm, okay, yep. In the the garden? Sure. I, I feel like we've given yeah. people, that's enough information. You're going to yeah. Perth for the Fringe, the Shambles. Yeah. When does this come out? Um, well, I'm, well, I want to put it out before your series on the TV. So as soon as Great. you know, as soon as you know when... That's going up, but I, well, in the next two or three weeks. Okay, great. But I want to put it up before, uh, yeah, before so people can know yeah. about the series and watch it. I'm doing um, my um, old show. Things are going mm. well. My award nominated show um, at um, at the Comedy Store for the last time on December seventh. The Sydney Comedy Store. Yeah, December seventh, Saturday, December the seventh. Yeah. Get your tickets, please. Um, and yeah, new show is called What a Surprise. And um, I'm hope, hopefully, yeah, doing it at Perth and then hopefully Brisbane and Melbourne. 
And are you uh, are you recording the old show? Is there is there a rec- recording of it somewhere in some form, or is it going to get recorded? For- uh, I have no plans for that as yet. Okay. Mm. All right. But open to the idea if oh, offers are going to be made. Yeah, open to yeah, the idea okay. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Um, well, thank you. Thank You're you. You're the best. Thank You're you for doing best. this. I really enjoyed it, and um, uh, thank you to everybody for listening. 